0: Welcome into another episode of We're Talking tonight. Craig Malossi and Dave Amato. Dave, happy Thanksgiving, man! It's Thursday happy night. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you. It's Thursday night, and we're sitting here. We got the Saints game on one TV at my place, and got the uh, the Ole Miss and Mississippi State on the other place uh, on the other uh, the other place, the other TV. Uh, so it's it's a good night. Uh, I'm not sure the the Saints are helping helping my night any, but hey
1: no that's, no they don't look very good today that's for
0: sure i think that's what adult beverages were made for though so
1: <laughs> yes
0: so um let's talk a little football man it's been a Absolutely. while it seems like forever i had wasn't able to get colin on this week colin Lacey from the georgia southern sports network our schedules didn't match up mainly because of mine would travel and everything but sure. hey uh before we start getting into the the, the, the upcoming games, let's take a, a quick look at uh, the standings.
1: Sure. And,
0: you know, it's one of those things that I won't say it's frustrating, but, you know, early talk on was that, you know, the Western Division is really bad. Louisiana shouldn't have any problems running, you know, uh, winning it. But, man, I never realized and never looked at this. And then, then you see second place is two and five. And there's three teams at two and five. And last place is at one and six. It's kind of depressing for the Western Division.
1: It it, it really is. And, look, there's some good things in the Western Division, right? UL Monroe, uh, I think, has been a little bit of a surprise. And we'll we'll talk about that as we break down. As far as, you know, they're four and seven. And they've lost their last four games, but but they're four and seven, and they're coming off a season where they were terrible. I mean, and 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 not just bad. I mean, really bad. Um, uh, so 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 a little bit to look forward to there. Um, and, but one thing I, I I thought about this the other day: Do you know that every team in the Sun Belt, with the exception of the two teams that are going to play each other for the conference championship, every single team has had a quarterback issue all up and down their roster. Uh, 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 McBride is no longer playing for Texas State. He's hurt, and and they've gone to Tyler Vitt. UL Monroe has bounced between two quarterbacks with Rhett Rodriguez getting hurt. Now he's back, and he's playing a little bit. Uh, Jake Bentley is out at South Alabama. Arkansas State, while they're still playing uh, Lane uh, Hatcher. They have now moved to their freshman quarterback, and they're bouncing him in and out of the lineup to get him some experience. But they're they're two and nine, so at this point, it doesn't hurt them. But even in the East, Georgia State has lost Quad Brown. Uh, Coastal Carolina has played a handful of games without they're starting without Grayson McCall. Troy has lost one of their two guys that had been starting, and Georgia Southern's played about seventeen quarterbacks this season.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I did not realize that. And that's probably why both teams are sitting in on the top being that's able, that. being able to do that. You mentioned Troy, how surprised were you with the firing of Chip Lindsey?
1: I, I don't think I was terribly shocked. Um, I, I thought they would have had him finish the season and then maybe make a move at that point. But um, no, I don't think I was terribly surprised. I, I just thought that the timing was strange. Um, but but look, they made their decision, and they, they got to move forward. And I think it's a good call. Uh, I think Detroit fans were getting frustrated.
0: Oh, I, I agree with all of that totally except for uh, – no, I shouldn't say except for. Uh, I agree with the timing seemed a little bit weird. I also agree that uh, – why are you paying a coach not to coach, you know? Yeah, right. I mean, right. you're going to pay him. and It doesn't what, do you any good it, at
1: this You point. know,
0: if you were going to fire him, fire him after the ULM game and get some, get some different blood in there at that point, at least let the other coaches try something different. Yeah. But quite honestly, uh, I mean, that to me was very surprising. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean,
1: I definitely think that was a, a, you know, look, and we've had some, some coaching carousel already in the Sun Belt, right? We know Georgia Southern has replaced their coach. Troy's now replaced their coach. So so they've got. We're going to have two new coaches in the Sun Belt coming up this year. So it'll be it'll be a little flirt, fresh blood, and we'll see what happens during the offseason. Well, but that's what it, makes the offseason fun. It does. And, we we could see another one because I don't know if Texas State's going to uh, if they can if they can last uh, this whole season with with their coach. I think SpadaVal's on the chopping block. It's yeah.
0: I. Uh, well, we'll see. It, it, and. There may be a fourth one, which I have no desire to discuss because, (laughs) well, first of all, is that, I mean, I I kept getting texts all day and I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. But I have things in my life that mean a lot more to me that I have to worry about. I can't worry whether a coach is coming or going, quite honestly. It does not affect my life that much.
1: Until it is a done deal. Exactly. uh, It's not, there's nothing any of us can do anyway. So just wait. He's still our coach as of today, so that's all I care about.
0: And I, I believe nothing that comes off of a message board, uh, um, and I believe nothing that comes off of Twitter. So, it yeah. is what it is at this point. It's going to happen at some point, and we'll deal with it then. So,
1: I, I so do you, do you still have our? Um, and I know it's we still have a week to go, and it could change. But do you have written down our uh, predictions earlier in the season?
0: I don't even want to discuss those, Dave, quite honestly, because quite frankly, every prediction I made, whether it was a big win by the Cajuns or a short win by the Cajuns, it was always the opposite. If I said it was going to be a close game, the Cajuns blew them out. And and quite frankly, the predictions on where... Teams will finish. The only one that I really care about is the Cajuns. <laughs> that's right. no, I, 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 <laughs> I was horrible there that. too. No, I'll look for them. If not, I'll go back and listen to our podcast, and may have to repost our podcast and just uh, show exactly how much I know about the game and what's going on with it at this point. <laughs> so.
1: Oh no, no, good stuff though. No, I, I like it's been a fun season, and we still got a handful of games to play, and that's that's what you want. On uh, November 25th, you want to be able to say that we we have more than one game to play and hopefully more than two games to play. And that's exactly where we're at. So that's 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 exciting for, I think, anybody who is a Cajun fan at this. Yeah, let's talk real
0: football now. Uh, Yeah. uh, Coastal Coastal at South Alabama Uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. I I realized it was I I mean, I knew it was tomorrow, but I did not realize that it was a 230 kickoff. Uh, yeah it's
1: an afternoon game uh, in mobile um and, and uh, like i think coastal i think coastal wins the game i don't think there's a question about that um uh, i think the 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 problem is how up are they going to be for the game right um it's it's a game that look they want to win it they want to be 10 and 2 that 10 win seasons are a lot better than nine win seasons yeah but but they're not in the, the, the conference championship discussion anymore. They This game could be a little bit of a letdown game. Um, South Al has played decent all season, um, but I think at the end of the day, Coastal's just got too much talent. They'll win the game, but it could be a little bit of a letdown game just because the fact that they, they don't have anything to play for except for you know their bowl game.
0: Did, did we see a little bit of that last weekend, uh, weekend with Coastal Uh, hosting Texas State it was 21-21 in the third quarter did we see a little bit of that already
1: I think so I think they're you know look they're disappointed I think they were you know going into the season in their minds they were going to win the East and they were probably going to be everybody had them as a top 25 team they they got all the way up to you know 15 or 16 in the polls I, I I think look it's it's Crushing when you when you're that high and then all of a sudden you lose a couple of games and the next thing you know you're you're out of the conference championship and and apps playing in it but I I truly believe the best two teams are playing each other in the conference championship and there's no doubt about that but I do believe coastal it's got to be a little bit of a disappointment and hard for them to stomach and you got to finish the season strong you can't just quit but I think it was a little bit of a letdown last week well
0: I think it was as well and I think a lot of it uh, though for me. Uh, you know we've had our I won't say differences I mean quite frankly App State kicked our ass uh, the first several times we played them but you know it was two teams in the Cajuns in App State that you didn't see running their mouths on Twitter like the sure. the guys from Coastal so uh, very happy to have uh, be hosting App State this weekend uh, not this weekend next weekend man next, next week <laughs> I don't even know what week it is anymore after that trip so
1: no I'm, I'm with you I, I, I am look I would have loved to have seen the Cajuns play Coastal because we didn't play them during the season and I think there's a lot of uh, you know anger about Latin, the way things ended last year but it, if you take it and you say who are the two best teams from beginning to end I don't think there was any question it, it, on the West there was no question it was UL and in the East, I do believe um, that App is the better of the two teams. And I believe that the App team that we faced early in the season is not exactly the App team we're going to face um, in two weeks. I think they're or a week and a half. They're, they're going to be hungry and ready to play that football game. And I hope we come out ahead. But they're going to be ready for that game and they're an experienced team playing in conference championships. They know what to expect.
0: Well, you know, there is a – a little bit of satisfaction for having coastal sitting at home and watching the championship game. You you never know. I mean, Dan Marino went to the super bowl in his rookie season, never Mm -hmm. went back, never really even sniffed it quite honestly. Right. Uh, So you don't pass up chances like that to play and win an outright championship. In my opinion, you know, it's, they did it to
1: themselves. We're, we can be bitter forever about that. The game should have been played in some way, shape or form. And I think it was a disappointment to everybody who was involved. I, I, I think that, that everything about the way that was handled last year. And I do believe like they'll be on our schedule. I'm assuming next year. They won't and, be. and well, and
0: not necessarily that. Will not all, necessarily that, that will, there might, it, it, the opportunity to switch the schedule up will happen again. If right. uh, Marshall old dominion, uh, and southern myths are able to join next year
1: but but i do believe that there will always be and we'll have new coach you know we possibly have new coaching staffs we'll have new players but i think there'll be some animosity specifically from the fan base yeah whenever we face coastal again right and i and i really hope if we do face them next year that that game is in cajun field i really hope that game is in cajun field well
0: Let's move on from there because we've talked about the COVID chickens way too much and uh, yep. giving them too much airtime here on what is, uh, which is uh, talking sunbelt. and they're not they're not in the conversation. But let's give some other teams an opportunity. So we, we talked a little bit, uh, a little bit about Troy, but they're, they're, they head to Atlanta this weekend. Can they do anything? Georgia State seems to be hitting a stride right now. Troy seems yeah. to be going in the other direction. It, does Troy have an opportunity there to knock off a Georgia State team?
1: I, 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 I truly believe Georgia State is the better team. Georgia State should win. Uh, I, I, I listen to how you talk all the time about new coach. You know, when you fire your coach and the next week you, you're playing a game, they, you know, they've got a little bit to play for. Georgia State is bowl eligible already. They are probably going to be in a bowl game. Troy needs a win to become bowl eligible. Um, I, I think they'll be motivated because they know they need to the win, and two, they're playing for a new coach, right? Uh, but I think Georgia State wins the game specifically because it's in Atlanta. I, I think that game Georgia State's the better football team. I think Georgia State wins. They're a six and a a half point favorite, and I, I think at the end of the game they're going to be they're going to be up by more than six and a half. Yeah, I,
0: I I'll agree with you, which means I'm probably. That that means Troy will probably win because I've gotten everything else <laughs> wrong this 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 week this year. Uh, a game that I find uh, well before we get to that one, uh, Texas State and Arkansas State. I mean, I don't think Bush Jones is on the hot seat because it's his first year there, and he was really left with a very depleted team, and uh, yeah. and and Arkansas State has has shown some moments that they can score the football. But Texas State, my God, that's a team we all thought yeah. was going to be playing better, especially after week one and a close loss to uh, Baylor.
1: To Baylor. I Yeah, I, I look, I, I said it earlier in the year, I thought this was the year that Texas State got over the hump and they started really challenging for at least a 500 season and, the, and maybe bowl eligibility they're sitting at three and eight and, and look, it's about what they finish almost every year, three and eight, two. And, nine, you know, they seem to be in a two to three win seasons every year um, and Arkansas state, they're a mess. Uh, defensively, they're a mess. Offensively. Like you said, they can put up some points. They're a two point favorite. Um, I don't even know how to call this game to be honest <laughs> yeah I, um I, it, Brady McBride has not been playing I'm assuming he's gonna be out again this week. Uh, I don't know I haven't read anything or heard anything if he's gonna be back or not. Uh, Arkansas states played a little bit better lately. They won a game two weeks ago they lost a closed one last week. I I don't know I if I had to I don't I really don't know between these two teams because they've been such a mess all season um but I'm gonna go with Texas State. Really, I'm okay. road with a win. I'm gonna go with Texas State. Well,
0: they'll probably win because I, I think Arkansas State's gonna win.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a really tough one to pick because, like I said, yeah. both teams have been a, a, a complete and utter mess. And like I said, I I don't know if Jake Spadamall makes this, makes the end. Of the, I mean, obviously he'll make the end of the season, but I don't know if they they don't cut bait with him. Yeah, But but it's been a revolving door there between athletic directors and coaching staffs and everything else. I, They've got all kind of problems and they shouldn't have. So they've got a great budget. They've got a great facilities. They've got a great town, a, a decent fan base, but they just seem to be a, a train wreck of a football team.
0: Most definitely. Uh, next game is one I find very, very interesting, in my opinion, is still because Georgia Southern app state. I I think app state wins, but at the same time, Georgia Southern, uh, they've already got their new coach. I'm sure some of the coaches there are coaching for their career as well. Uh, it's a rivalry game. So it, it, I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, we'll have to see what happens there. Uh,
1: yeah, I know you want it. I know you want it to be close. And I know you, you would love to see Georgia Southern play. Well, I, apps apps hot right now they're playing very good football um, looking at it right now it, it's going to be an afternoon game but it's saying that it's right now it's 39 degrees in in boone north carolina you know it's going to be probably pretty cold and chilly in in that stadium apps playing too good and georgia southern's been playing too bad i i I think app just runs away with that game. I I don't see it being close app is pumped and they're ready to come to Lafayette to play a, a championship game. So I think they just, they blow through, through Georgia Southern and, 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 and again, you, you see two teams that are hot, playing hot at the right time, playing each other for a conference championship. And that's exactly what you want.
0: I agree there too. I mean, uh, but I, I will say this: Last time Georgia Southern played there, it was on Thanksgiving weekend, I believe, and it was snowing and everything, and they had the upset. So,
1: Yeah, Well, you never know. And look, Georgia Southern is built for bad weather. So yeah. if it is a snowy day, um, you know, look, you give Georgia Southern a little bit of a, an advantage because they're built for, for those those cold weather and rainy weather and snowy weather days. But look, I I would love to see an eleven and one. Louisiana team playing a ten and two App State team coming in, both of them playing the best football that they could be.
0: Yes, uh, I'm tr- I'm hesitating a little bit here because I'm trying to re. Since I broke my computer monitor, I'm trying to resize everything here yep. that it still fits on the same screen so I apologize
1: I missed but, it but the Buffalo Bills just scored a touchdown so uh, I knew they, I knew they
0: were I knew they were driving
1: it's so. 17 and nothing so
0: oh gosh the Saints fan this is a very very going to be a very very long season more so than we thought from in the beginning
1: so. right
0: well Dave let's take our break and uh, we'll come back right after this quick message Welcome back in and we're talking tonight. Craig Milosa and Dave Amato. Dave, the game uh, the game that you know, we talked a little bit about the team ULM, the Warhawks, and uh, I won't give them any disrespect right now because they've done a lot of things positive this season as opposed to last season. Uh, But at the same time, I mean, the Cajuns are a much better ball club, but Hey, all right. Let's start out then. Yeah. Let's go straight to it. Let's let's go to the offensive line. Where where are they on the yeah, offensive
1: line? They're they're very big. Um, they've got four. They play about seven guys on a rotation. I think they've got about seven guys who have played in at least eight games this year. Um, so they do get some guys in and out of the lineup. But they have four or five of those guys are 6'6 six, six or 6'7. Six, I mean, they're just big boys uh, on the offensive line. And it's a transfer-laden group. They, they have um, a guy, Kendrell Lewis, who transferred from San Jose State at left guard. Garrett Hirsch is a center from Illinois State. They've got a transfer at right guard from UT Martin. Um, so they, they've got a handful of guys who are new to the program and they've kind of just tried to piecemeal that offensive line. They're big and they're strong, but they give up a ton of sacks. Um, they've given up 36 sacks on the season through 11 games. So somewhere around three, three and a half a, a game, which is a little bit higher than you would want for your offensive line. But as you'll see, as we get into some of those other positions, part of that, causes uh, a lot of problems because you know look this is a rich rod uh, offense and it's going to be crazy they're going to run all kind of different schemes they're going to try to put people in weird positions because rich rod is considered a genius uh, on the offensive side of the ball so he's going to try to move people around but their offensive line has struggled to to protect the quarterback they have not run the ball well so while they're big and they're strong, they they don't do the things that you would think that a big and strong offensive line would do, and that's protect the quarterback and 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 run the ball well. So, um, I and 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 look, we we saw this a little bit last week when I said, you know, yeah, obviously you say this all the time, right? The game is won in the trenches, and I was concerned about last week's game when we were playing Liberty, uh, but we were, as you could see. We were so superb, or so much better than that football team on the defensive line versus their offensive line. And I think that is another case of what we're going to see. Again, they are going to have a hard time. Our athletes on the defensive line, and I strictly talk about guys like Zion Hill, uh, Taylor Humphrey, um, and then adding adding you know some, some guys coming in like Chauncey Mannack and Farad Gardner. It, these guys are impossible to block for an offensive line. That's not very good already. So I, 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 see struggles there. If we can get pressure on the quarterback, like we did at Liberty, um, against the team that is a quarterback, that's not nearly as good as the guy we faced this weekend. I, I, I think the Cajuns have a huge advantage on that defensive line versus their offensive line. What,
0: um, I, I agree and I think guys like Zion and Chauncey really came through huge at Liberty this past weekend and it was fun to watch them and uh, it's just it's amazing when they when they feel like they've got something to prove and they're going out and doing yeah. it and I think they'll still want to have something to prove because you know the Cajuns are they don't want to go in with a loss.
1: No, and I'll tell you, look, Zion Hill, and we've talked, we've touched on this uh, pretty much. He's a special player. I believe that he gets double teamed and or held more than any player on our football team, and he's not a guy who lines up the stat sheet. Right, you're not going to see all these huge numbers for Zion, but what he does is allow these other guys to become special uh, Chauncey Manac was an animal in the first half against Liberty but a lot of that is because they're doing things to Talon Humphrey and Zion Hill because they can't block them they cannot stop those two guys which means that somebody's running free and that's usually a guy like Chauncey or it's a guy Andre Jones is another one Andre Jones is a freak of an athlete and you see him make plays all over the field but I, those guys are special because those two guys on the interior of our defensive line are almost impossible to block, and yeah, I, I think th- that that's a that means you're either double teaming them or you're holding them, and, and I see it all the time with a guy like Zion. He 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 just is a disruptor, and ends, and Talon's just so big it's hard to block him.
0: I thought that was Andre Jones's best game against. Oh my god!
1: Oh my god! There's no question.
0: It was it. all over the field, like
1: tackles. He, yeah, and, and look. He may have been the best player on the field that wasn't named Chauncey Manack on defense. Right? It just Chauncey was insane, especially in the first half. But Andre Jones played superb football and it was special. He's he's just a great athlete. And when you think about all the athletes we got peppered around the defense, it's it's fun to watch guys like that play football.
0: Well, what are we looking at on the receiver side? anybody big, anybody that's gonna that can dominate the game or they are they pretty well-rounded are we gonna have to look out for anybody individually
1: yeah I I, look I looking at their lineup up and down on on wide receivers I don't think there's anybody that just blows you away there's no you know there's no receivers that look like the guys at, at app or guys like South Alabama has uh in Tolbert I mean I you don't see that they do have a very interesting story and a good player who is probably their best receiver and a guy named Jeremiah Boogie Knight um and he's a he's a guy who was a former walk on at Ohio State and he's playing at ULM he's he's not a big guy he's 5'10 junior but he's their best receiver and he's a good one he's fun to watch he catches almost everything that's thrown to him he's when they need a playmate, he's the guy um but he doesn't do anything special he's just really solid um so he's He's by far their best receiver. They've got a couple other guys. Will Derrick is a slot guy. He's been with the Warhawks for a handful of years. But, but Boogie Knight has 43 catches. Um, the next guy has 25 in, in Will Derrick. And then behind that, there's there's a handful of guys who make catches. They don't throw the ball to the tight end a lot, which is which is weird because we're so used to ULM having Josh Peterson who was arguably one of the best tight ends in the Sun Belt for many, many, many years. And now they don't have a guy. Their best tight end only has six catches, but they go to him in the red zone a lot because six of those of, of those six catches, three of them are touchdowns. So when they get into the red zone, they're looking for him. Um, and he's a big guy, 6'4", 225. Zach Ram, Ram, Ramuson is his name um and he's a good he's a good player but again you're not worried about him most of the game it's really going to be when they get down to the red zone they're going to start looking for him but boogie Knight is the guy who makes their offense go on the uh in the passing game he's going to be the guy we're going to have to guard but they don't have any real speedsters that really burn you down the field it's really getting open in space and making catches over the middle is what they 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 live for
0: good deal what about at the running back position because i i know that uh if you're not throwing the ball downfield, you got to be doing something with the, with the ball unless the quarterback's running for his life every time.
1: Right. And and you would you would, as a ULM fan, you would hope that and they they don't um their their best running back, is Andrew Henry. He he's he's a he's a you know, pretty solid guy, he's 5'10, 196. Um JUCO transfer. He's got he's got 127 carries for 490 yards and about a 4-yard a, a game ca- uh, average. And he's got four touchdowns. But what's so strange about their running game is he is literally their only guy that's listed as a running back that is a threat. Um, their second leading running rusher is their quarterback, who hasn't played every game because he was bouncing between you know, a starter and a backup. Uh, and then the third leading rusher is a wide receiver who, again, this is Rich Rod's offense, so he's gonna do a lot of crazy things, line people up. But Malik Jackson is a wide receiver who has fifty seven carries on the season. Um so so if you look at their top three rushers, and then there's a big gap after that, it's their starting running back who's going to get most of the carries. their quarterback who's running for his life quite a bit. and then their um their wide receiver who's lining up all over the field, running some, some reverses. They put him in the backfield a little bit, but he's a receiver that doesn't catch the ball much. So he's really more of a running back than he is a receiver. So there it's, it's all about lining these guys up in weird positions for Rich Rod. That's what he's always been about is trying to confuse defenses, put people in positions that you're not used to seeing them in. And I think that's why you see that, and again, they're not a very good running team because they really don't—they don't run the ball that well. But they put you in positions where you're assuming a pass, and then they run the ball, or you're assuming a rush, and they throw the ball. So they're trying to get you out of position.
0: Well, I think that's where the Cajuns did a uh, a good job this past week weekend uh, at Liberty and, and not falling for that. So I agree with that. Oh my gosh, the Bills just scored again. This is gonna—it's
1: gonna, it's gonna um, get ugly.
0: Uh, no, it it is ugly. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to the quarterback position. Are we going to see both of them? Uh, I think
1: I think we do. I think there's no question we do. And I don't, and I don't know why. Um, and I say that to this point, uh, they've played four quarterbacks this year. They've got a, a transfer from Northern Illinois who's played a, a handful of games, and he is literally I've watched this guy play. His name is Jaya Wright. He is literally a running back playing quarterback. He is going to run the ball nine times out of ten. They've got their their starter from last year who's played in three games, Colby Suits. He's not much of a threat. They really had a quarterback controversy at the beginning of the season between Rhett Rodriguez, who's Rich Rodriguez's son, uh, who's a transfer from Arizona, and Chandler Rogers, who was a late signee out of junior college, and those are the two guys who have been battling it out for the starting position. And they keep going back to Rent Rodriguez. And when you look at the stats and you look at the play on the field, I don't know why they keep going back to it. So Rent Rodriguez is completing about 52% of his passes. He's thrown three touchdowns and three interceptions, and he does not run the ball very well. In, on the contrary, Chandler Rogers. Has completed about 62 percent of his passes. He's got nine touchdowns, three interceptions, and he's the second leading rusher on the team from scrimmage. Before you take out sacks, but he's got 512 yards from scrimmage rushing the ball. So he's a more dynamic running back, a quarterback. He's a better quarterback throwing the ball than Rodriguez is. But they continue to try to put Red Rodriguez in as the starter. And and play him more than Chandler Rogers, which I'm fine with that they're going to do it against the Cajuns. Yeah, because the reality is Chandler Rogers has proven to be the better quarterback all season long. But they continue to try to get Red Rodriguez in the game, and he's he's not putting up the numbers that that Chandler Rogers is. And I'm again I am confused on why. I get he's the coach, one of the coach's sons, but at some point you got to go with the better quarterback. And I think Chandler Rogers is better.
0: I agree with you there. Any last words about the offensive? Anything else that you, we may have not have touched on
1: there? Um, not a lot. They, 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 don't, they don't score a lot of points. They only score like 21 points a game. And they've only scored over 30 twice. Uh, they beat Liberty. They scored 31. And they, they beat South Alabama. Uh, and they scored 41, I think, in that game. But they, those are only two times they score over it. They, they, they don't do a lot of things great on offense. Um, and I think you saw that if anybody watched the LSU game last week, they if they would have been a better offensive team, they probably would have beaten LSU. Um, their problem was they, they struggle mightily, and they struggle in the red zone. They struggle a lot in the red zone. And that cost them, as they had two chances to score. That game could have been a lot closer than it was, not it wasn't a blowout by any means. But that game could have been a whole lot closer or a ULM victory had they been able to score touchdowns when they were in the red zone or have some kind of offense that could could have done some things. So I I don't think you're scared of their offense. Uh, Look, you just got to watch out. They do have some athletes who can who can do some things. And if Chandler Rogers is playing well, he's a guy that you're a little concerned with.
0: I agree. Well, let's take our next break. You've been listening. We're talking with Craig Melonso and Dave Amato. We'll be right back after this brief intermission. We're back into we're talking with uh, Craig Melonso and Dave Amato. Man, Dave, I, I know you said you turned it off, but this Saints game is ugly. And and quite frankly, I don't think it's all quarterback play like everybody wants to talk about. When you got guys like Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara out, you've got a guy wearing number 96 or 86 or something, a very large number standing in the backfield right now.
1: Oh, so Ty Montgomery, yeah. Yeah, look, hey, I, I, I've I, been very not impressed, but the job that Trevor Simeon has done, considering the situation he was put into, I think he's played well. Not tonight, necessarily, but in general, he's yeah. played well. He hasn't been the reason the Saints have been losing He's got no help to throw the ball to. He's got to cast the characters that are catching the ball that nobody could have thought would have been the starting receivers for this football team. His running backs are a mess. The offensive line's been beat up. It's not him. If anything, the one thing Trevor Simeon is doing is saving himself a job for a long time as a backup quarterback, yep. because he's proving he can play in this league. Um. But, but, yeah, he's and he's doing it with no help, no help whatsoever. So well, quite, I, I quite,
0: quite frankly, the, the Saints would be better off right now. I think signing Deuce McAllister out of retirement and let him play a little bit. <laughs> so, You're
1: probably right about that.
0: But let's move on. Let's move on to the defensive side of the, the Warhawks. What are we looking at their defensive line there? Three, four, four, three, They're, 17 point, mostly, against
1: one. Yeah, they mostly play a 4-3 uh, style defense. They will bring a – they got a nickel package. So they'll bring an extra DB in a lot, uh, especially when they're going up against teams who throw the ball, uh, you know, quite a bit. Uh, but up front, they've got uh, – the best guy up there is a guy by the name of Ty Shelby. He's six four two sixty defensive man. He's a good player. He leads that unit in tackles with 40. He's got seven-and-a-half tackles for loss and five-and-a-half sacks. He's a little bit of a disruptor. He's probably a guy you've really got to make sure you know where he is on the line. And, and look, I think I read we're going to be without Osiris Torrance again this week with a concussion protocol again. And I think that's a smart move. I, I even if he was ready, I think it's a smart move. To keep him out of this game. get him ready for the uh, app state game, but, but you're like, look now you're down technically to starting offensive line. When you're juggling people around, you got to walk on, a former walk-on, David Hudson, who's filling in, uh, and, and when you've got a guy who has five and a half sacks on the season, he's a guy who could be a little bit of a challenge. You're going to have to make sure that you're putting a, an extra body on him. He's a he's a good good player. Um, in the middle, they've got Caleb Thomas and Quincy Lede. They are good players, but nothing nothing great. Uh, Thomas is a transfer. He's a big dude, six foot three eleven. Uh, transfer from UConn. And laday is a uh, freshman from Orange, Texas. But but really, nothing scares you. Like I said, the, Ty Shelby's the one guy you really got to account for. A uh, couple other names to watch out for. They got a guy by the name of uh, Jahazel Lee, who's pretty good. Uh, he's a transfer from Georgia Tech. He'll get some playing time. They rotate about seven guys on the front seven. I mean, the front four. So you'll you'll see a lot of bodies coming in and out. But really... That Ty Shelby, Shelby is the guy that you really got to put a body on and make sure you know where he is because he can he can play in the on your side of the line of scrimmage quite a bit.
0: Well, it's one of those things that I really think that uh, the offensive line played really well at, uh, at Liberty, especially with the with the changes that had that that happened. So, I'm yeah, looking I think forward the full week of practice. These guys even played yeah. better this weekend.
1: I think, look, we it was late in the week when we found out that Osiris Horst wasn't going to play because of a, a you know an automobile accident where he had a concussion. But I, I think, uh, you know, you've said it before quite a bit, specifically with, uh, with A.J. Gilly playing, that, you know, when you don't know what your line's going to be and you got to modify it, you change it, it's a little harder to do it on the fly when you've got a full week of practice. And and I think we saw that in that game, even though we didn't have a full week of practice. David Hudson played much better in the second half than he did in the first half. Um, And I think he got a little more comfortable in his skin. They helped him out when he was struggling a little bit. They gave him some help when he needed some blocking help. And I think he really stepped up and played very well in the second half. I think in the first half, he might've been, you know, a little bit on roller skates, trying to figure out what's going on. It's the first time he's been on the field in a long time. He played well once he got his feet under him, and he's like, look, this is what we got. And look, they took over that game. That offensive line played very well late in the game. So I I, I agree with you. I think a week of all of these guys knowing their roles and playing together for a week is going to be very helpful. Well,
0: I think the – you mentioned it a little bit there with uh, I think the coaching staff did a great job recognizing some weaknesses and switching things around on the offensive line a no, little bit ahead. there and blocking schemes, not necessarily moving people around mid game, which I think is, is never helpful. So yep. Um, what about the linebacker crew there? What are we looking look, looking from them? And is yeah. that something there? Are they going to blitz us? What, what's going on? Yeah
1: they to me the best part of their defense is at the linebacker position um they've got a couple of really good ones zach woodard is probably the best he leads the team in tackles with 87 he's a transfer from jacksonville state uh, but he's got nine tackles for loss three and a half sacks so he will come and try to blitz a little bit from a inside linebacker position he he's he's pretty good and then it gets deeper from there. Travion Webster is second on the team in tackles with 83. So those two guys alone account for 170 plus tackles uh, for the season. So and they're number one and number two on the team in tackles. And uh, Quay Drake is fourth on the team. He's another. He's the Sam linebacker. So and he's a transfer from Kennesaw State. So it's a handful of transfers in that group. But it's their their top three tack or. Four, three of the top four tacklers are at the linebacker position. So I think that's where they're strong and they play very well. They've got some other guys that that kind of rotate in and out. But but look, their their linebackers are pretty good and it, it helps them because their defensive line, as we talked about, is not great. So their linebackers have to make a lot of plays and uh, before get to the second level, you know, the next level, and defensive backs are running for their lives. But but I do believe the linebackers are the strength of this defense.
0: I'm sorry. I got to laugh here. Um, I've got the Ole Miss-Mississippi State game on also. Yeah. Ole, Ole Miss nose tackle. Uh, offsides, to, you know, bulls into the the center for Mississippi State. I've never seen the, the nose tackle get – Back to back offsides, just by and by. I mean, totally bulldozing the center. I mean, I don't know what was going on there. You're the nose tackle. You're you're looking straight you're at the ball. The,
1: How you're, stupid you're staring, can you be? You're staring at the football. It's a very challenging position. They would be staring at the football and jump offsides twice in a row.
0: Hey, I, I think what was even funnier than that, though, was like as soon as the second one happened, he started jogging off the field. He knew he was
1: screwed. Oh, yeah, and that's the longest run. In his life, oh. knowing that he's about look, he's embarrassed himself on the football field, and now he's about to run to the sideline where he knows he's going to get yelled at for what. Oh, he it, and,
0: and they were chewing his butt out all the way there. <laughs> so
1: right, he just move. wants to find a hole and dig himself into it.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the defensive backs. Any any size there? I mean, are, or is that going to be because that's where the Cajuns really had an advantage over the Liberty. Uh, defensive back with sizes and we took great advantage yeah
1: you no know, we did and we threw look we threw two two fade routes in the end zone uh, on 50 50 balls that I oh those were
0: 20 balls yeah, no, I mean, well, they weren't I, even you, close to 50-50. Well, well you <laughs> took the word no you, I know you
1: took, you took the words out of my mouth because um the first one to John Stevens jr it it, it looked like it looked like a, a man playing against the, a, a a teenager.
0: It used uh, to be like when I played with my nephew in basketball when he, yeah. was about, when he was about four foot tall and I would just, I wouldn't even have to jump and I would reject his shot. And I'm like, don't bring it in here anymore. All right. I was yeah, cruel no, to him.
1: <laughs> that, that didn't look, it didn't look remotely close. And then the the the, uh, the Kyron Lacey play right after that looked similar. And, and look, Kyron Lacey's a big kid, but he's not John Stevens Jr. He's 6'2 or 6'3". And and he just looked like he was a man among boys catching that football. So yeah, I, I think we're going to have an advantage there because the, the 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 good part of their defensive backfield is their safeties. They have very good safety play, um, but their corners are not great. Hold and the I, uh,
0: hold the press, hold the press. Saints score a touchdown.
1: Uh, <laughs> that's impossible.
0: And uh, they're they're it's it's twenty four to six, and they're going for two <laughs> because. I don't know. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dave. No,
1: no, no, no. They, so they, they, they don't, they're not great at the cornerback position. I think that's going to give us some advantages specifically with our big receivers like Michael Jefferson, John Stevens Jr. And even, even Lacey, I, like I I said it earlier in the season, I I think what's so much fun is that from week to week, we don't know who is going to be the leading wide receiver on our team. And that's, that makes it hard to, to guard. Um, but what I and I wanted to bring this up because I think this is going to be a big thing too. Now, look, I said, they're good at the linebacker position, but we have really utilized the tight end pretty well this year. And, and I know I've heard other people complain. We don't throw to the tight end. Most of the reason we don't look like we're throwing to the tight end that much is because we throw it to four different tight ends and they spread the ball amongst those four guys. Right. But, we've thrown the ball or completed the ball at a rate of about 18% to our tight ends. Right. So we have never, it's been a long time since we've been very good at the tight end position, but Johnny Lumpkin's playing well, Pierce Meagle's playing really well. Neil Johnson is just, he's finally looks like he's coming into his own as a, as a player. And he's, he's that hybrid wide receiver, tight end guy, a lot like Ladarius green was right. He can line up a little bit outside. He's a physical guy. I think they're going to struggle against us in the back, but they're going to have to play some of these safeties on our wide receivers and we'll beat them with speed there. Um, Their physicality will be hard to beat, but we'll beat them with speed. So I think some chunk plays by Levi will be fun to watch against this ULM team. And I think he's going to have to make some of those plays. Um, and I can't say enough. I, I I know his numbers weren't fabulous, but I can't say enough about the game Levi played against uh against Liberty. He looked terrible early in the game, and he settled down and he made some throws that were really good in that game. That 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 really started. And look, like the running game helped that. Don't don't get me wrong, but he started putting the ball where it needed to be against the players, and he. He played very well, I thought, in that football game, specifically in the second half of the game.
0: Yeah, after he started out slow, he definitely turned it on. Dave, before we get into the special teams here, uh, I think I saw that you had a rather dark-looking beer there.
1: I do. I do. uh, What I am drinking tonight, yeah, I I, I thought about that. You didn't even ask me what I had. Um, So we – oh, yeah, let me – let me preface this by saying uh, I told you last week we had gone to Panama City to watch the um, Acadiana homeschool Christian football team play in a uh, tournament and for the national championship. And I use air quotes. Nobody can say it, but I'm using air quotes. Um, so they they came away as champions um, and uh, they beat a team. The first night from Roanoke, Virginia, and then the, on Saturday, they won the championship against the team from Indianapolis. But I preface that to say, while we were there, I picked up a couple of beers from some local breweries. And I say local because they were in the area, but yeah. uh, got a beer from Pensacola Bay Brewing out of Pensacola, Florida, and it's a lighthouse porter. It's very good. If you, if anybody wants a really good quality porter, Pensacola Bay Brewing, lighthouse porter is fantastic and i'm i'm down to only uh about a tiny bit but i'm about to finish it but it's an excellent porter
0: good deal well i'm having uh on the trip up to uh virginia and then over to indiana and then back to west virginia we stopped in kentucky at a couple of uh, distilleries and then i was able to pick up a bottle uh well, a couple bottles. One that I had not uh, heard before, but I'm not drinking tonight. So, but I'll just say it's flat boat. Boat. I'll probably critique it another night. But right now, I'm on a bottle of Old Fitzgerald, not the uh, the bottle and bond. Old Fitzgerald. This is their their low end bourbon, um, wheated bourbon. But you know, hey, it's uh, not a whole lot there. Quite honestly, it's only 80 proof. So but it's one bottle that I've been looking for. And it's a beautiful, it looks, it really looks like a bottle from the the fifties or sixties. It looks like something out of an old uh, magazine ad. So I'm pretty happy with that. So nice. let's move on special teams. Uh, We don't need to go into a lot of detail unless there's someone good or bad. Mm -hmm. uh, As far as, Let's start off with the return guys first. Anything there that we need to worry about on on
1: boogie, boogie Knight's their guy at both positions. Uh, He has not put up great numbers on returns, but he's solid. He makes, you know, he'll, he'll make, he's not going to fumble the ball. So he catches the ball. He doesn't do much on punts and he doesn't do a lot on the the return on the kicking game. So nothing that really scares you there. Um, I would tell you their best special teams player is by far their, their, their field goal kicker. Uh, Callum Sutherland is 15 of 20 on the season with a long of 53. Um, but he's connected on six of eight from 40 to 49 and two of four from 50 to 59. So he's a good kicker. Um, so I think he's going to be a guy that like we, if the game's close, I don't want it to come down on a field goal because they do have a big advantage in the kicking game over us. Um,
0: and for years but, they've missed kicks. At yes. Yes. The- so
1: yes, and this guy's won a couple of games this season yep. for them. Against Liberty um, so
0: specifically.
1: Liberty, um, Jackson State. I, I know of those yes. two specifically, but he's he's a good kicker. I mean, you know, we beat our head against the wall about our kick kicking game all season. But but this guy is a really good kicker, and like I said, he's missed five, but he hasn't missed anything under 39 yards, and he's only missed a couple from from 50 to 59 so he's he's a guy who not only is consistent but he's consistent and can hit it from a long way so i he's a concern if the game is close i'm hoping we don't have to worry about that and we're way out ahead but he is a guy that if the game's close i you know i do not want to come down to a field goal with with him on the field because he's he's really good um so hopefully we don't have that issue
0: well, I'm really hoping that that one of the announcers says that's a uh, uh, boogie boogie down, and uh, <laughs> and then I then some the other one can say you know, boogie down brought to you by the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. So, but I know yeah. that won't happen.
1: Well, so. and look, the 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 other thing that you know that's fun about this game is, and, and I don't think it's any surprise. Terry Bowden's the head coach, and and he's everybody. It was a nice hire for ULM. He's done a really solid job there um rich rodriguez he's got a coaching staff of names that you know and it's rare to see that in the sunbelt right you're used to seeing a coordinator from a school or a a guy who came up from a lower level you know the the bowden is a football legacy and rich rodriguez is a name that you know he was a head coach at you know multiple uh division one football teams so so it's fun to go up against teams like that. They're, they're going to be well-coached even if their athletes aren't as talented. So the one thing you are concerned about is these guys are going to be ready to play. They're, they're going to be ready for a number of reasons. They're well-coached. That's one thing to remember. Secondly, they are – anytime they play us, they're going to be trying to beat us. Thirdly, they want to screw up our season. You know, right? They have nothing to play for. They're not going to a bowl game. They, the only thing they can do is disrupt our season, right? And they've got a chance to do that. And I, I hope it doesn't happen. But we're going to have to be ready for that. And I think we will be. Uh, and I hope there's no distractions that have come out and whatever's going on behind the scenes. I think the team just needs to come down, bunker down, get into that game, win the game, and move on. That's you know, this is this game means nothing to us, but we need to we need to have a solid win.
0: I agree. Totally. Well, any last words of wisdom besides those last three there?
1: No, I, I, and I'll say it, like I say it for every home game all year long, there is no reason for you not to be at the Cajun field. If you can make it, if you are, if you're standing and you're in Lafayette and you want to show up, there's still tickets available. You should go to the game. If you don't, if you have tickets find somebody who will go. We need to put as many people in Cajun field on Saturday afternoon as possible and go get a big win and be ready for app state coming one week later. So I look, if you've got nothing to do on a Saturday afternoon, the weather's going to be gorgeous and we should be ready to be out there supporting this team and, and, and get another victory.
0: Absolutely. Dave, look forward to talking to you next week. And we'll have championship Saturday coming up. So uh, I'm ready. All right. Good deal. I mean, you've got probably most of your homework done and there's probably a little bit more that you can add to it now.
1: Well, the good news is, yeah, next week I can just go back to my old App State uh, 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 preview and I'll at least have a lot of it done. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Taking a little bit of a break this week. I
0: understand completely. You've been listening tonight to We're Talking with Craig Malonso and Dave Amato. Thank you for tuning in and hope to see you at Cajun Field this weekend. I got to hit that button. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it. Share it. Put it in your podcast. Broadcast it or put it on social
1: media. Just give credit where credit's due.